Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Jazz Mostert, and you're listening it to... Is, look, it's Inside great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so... Um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but... But we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead, you could say. It's just, it's, they're just, there's <laughs> good racing and I enjoy it. From the racetracks across Australia and around the world, here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars. This week, looking at the Tasmanian Super Sprint Round that's coming up on the weekend and to join us to talk about that and a whole bunch more from Wakefield Park, the Spectators Circuit, it is Lachlan Mansell. Good evening, Craig. I don't know that I got that right, but it sounded good as it came off the tongue. And <laughs> Gary O'Brien, who spent another Easter weekend up on the mountain. What a perfect place to spend your Easter, Gary. Well, I've been here so many times. Good evening, Craig. Good evening, Lockie. Um, yeah, I, can't, I, I keep forgetting how many times I've been to Bathurst, but it's been a lot. And the fact that I was born here probably helped a little bit as well. Mm, indeed. And uh, interesting to know that, uh, well, another chapter in Australian motorsport history has been written with production car racing returning to the mountain and uh, a six-hour race, it's almost long enough to really get your teeth back into production cars. You almost feel like an expert at the end of it. Well, yeah, we've got plenty of time to watch it because they don't come around as quickly as the supercars or the GT3 cars. <laughs> you can digest it a little bit quicker. And uh, the fact that we've really got back to how the 12-hour, the re- reinvigoration of the 12-hour began with, with production cars, and now we're doing it again with this six-hour race. So who's to know that maybe in two or three years' time on Easter Sunday we might be watching another 12-hour race just for production cars. Mm. Lockie, you had a busy weekend with superbikes there at the Spectator Circuit? Yeah, indeed. And, of course, the big news is that uh, Ant West made his return to Australian motorsport competition. Um, of course, um, had uh, a fair bit of success overseas, particularly in the Moto2 category, but also in World Superbikes and, to a lesser extent, MotoGP. But on a last-minute call-up to ride from the factory Honda team to replace the injured Jamie Stouffer at Wakefield Park on the weekend. Mm. Well, we need to look at what's coming up this weekend, and that's the V8 supercars returning to the track. And and uh, whilst it might seem funny that we're talking about a super sprint ahead of some of the other issues, I think it's only fair because Simmons Plains is one of my favourite rounds every year. And I know Lewis Isaac uh, was on the show last week, and, um, of course, we are often when we're there, head up onto the hill and at least on a Saturday, watch one race completely from start to, well, we never get to finish, but we always get to about the last one or two laps uh, before we head back to the media centre to do, well, he does some work and I just lounge around, as we all know. But it is just, it's another circuit when when you get up on that hill and you can see, I would say, 93% of the racetrack from most of the spots on that hill if you uh, uh, choose your spot right, Gary. Yeah, I I haven't been there for a V8 round for quite a few years, but I've been to a couple of Shadow Nationals rounds since. And you're right, it, going down that front straight down towards the hairpin, excellent spot to, to watch motor racing. But the significant part about Simmons Plains, probably over any other track in Australia, is that it's the closest qualifying 
circuit that they go to. It's under a second generally between position one and position 26. And, uh, of course, Lachlan, it's another regional track, which, you know, the Tasmanian people really get behind. Yeah, they do. And it's a track that, as Gary has mentioned, always throws up close racing because of the fact that it is such a short lap time. And the other interesting thing is because the lap is so short, if you get the strategy wrong, you can actually end up going a lap down quite easily because by the time you come into the pits, take a pit stop and head back out onto the track, it's uh, not very much shorter than the time that it takes to complete a lap of the circuit. And it's going to be interesting to see how the results play out because the V8s have gone to Clipsal and uh, obviously to Albert Park so far this year. And you'd almost say that Simmons Plains is different, again, in terms of its characteristics. It's got a very long back straight, but um, most of the corners are quite slow. And the key to a good lap time around there is getting good drive out of those slower corners. So um, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how the results play out this weekend. And, and a good thing as well, I think, that we're back to an all-soft tyre format for the weekend. Yeah, we saw the all-soft tyres down there at the Grand Prix, Gary, and that certainly seemed to improve the racing action. It limed it up a bit, didn't it? And the, as Lucky said, with drive out of corners, you could imagine at Sandown they'll set the cars up pretty soft in the rear end to get better bite out of the corners. But the payoff for that is that the fact that they, they'll wear their tyres out quicker. So it'll have to be a little bit of a compromise in that situation that you... You get good drive, but you don't want to uh, burn out your rear tyres either. No, that's right. And do we take anything into this that the Triple Eight were so dominant at the Grand Prix and last year Lowndes won two and Wing Cup won one from the weekend of racing? Lockie? Well, I mean, you're always hesitant about how much you read is the results from the Grand Prix because of the fact that it is a non-championship round. But in saying that, you look at last year where Mark Wisbottom won all four races at the Australian Grand Prix, and that really ended up being the weekend where he hit his stride, didn't it? Because he had a pretty average weekend at Clipsville last year, came out and dominated at the Grand Prix, and then went on to win the championship. So... You know, maybe there is something that you can read into that. And Triple Eight, by J, they were very impressive over the Grand Prix weekend. Probably the most interesting thing is that it seems that it was a different car that that had a, a bit of a pace advantage over the other two. So there were some races where Van Gisbergen was faster. There were there were some races where Wincup was faster, and there were some races where it seemed that Craig Lowndes was the fastest out of the three. So there seems to be a fair bit of competition within that stable, and uh, that rivalry that intra-team battle seems to be driving all three of them to great heights at the moment. Mm. And, of course, uh, I know that it's tough when you're the number one car and you're not at the number one pit bay because with the expansion of Triple Eight, it was like an extra little bonus for Roland. He managed to make sure that uh, ProDrive Racing Australia were another further pit bay away from the front of the field. It's always been the goal, well, it was the goal at Homebush that uh, if we do nothing else, we win the team's award so we get that primary position, what you're talking about, right down the end of pit lane. And, yeah, you're right. Uh, it, it means so much to the teams. That you, 
you can just accelerate out of the pit so you don't have to worry about speed limiters or anything like that because you're the last ones there. And, Lockie, the other man who was showing great speed at the Grand Prix and also at Clipsal was the Rod Nash Racing super cheap auto car of Chas Mostert. He's going to be well and truly tuned up after, uh, well, of course, he doesn't run six hours. He didn't run six hours in the car, but he's still well and truly tuned up. Indeed, and um, his performances at, at Clipsal, his qualifying speed was impressive. Unfortunately, he didn't get much out of the weekend in terms of points particularly because of that big crash that he had on Sunday. But at the Grand Prix, he was there or thereabouts. So overall, it's been a pretty impressive return to V8 for Chaz after that big crash at Bathurst last year. But the other cars that have been very impressive, particularly in terms of qualifying speed at both the Grand Prix and at the Clipsal 500, have been the DJR Team Penske cars with both Fabian Coulthard and Scott Pye. They've been there or thereabouts in the top five um, at both events so far. So in terms of the team most likely to challenge Triple Eight, I'm thinking maybe not Pro Drive Racing Australia and maybe DJR Team Penske are the ones that we should be looking at. Mm. Uh, It's going to be be interesting because HRT, uh, Gary, they've also shown some good form. They have. more so with uh, James Courtney rather than Garth Tander, but uh, uh, Courtney ended up fourth overall for the four races at uh, Albert. And, uh, yeah, you've got to put him in your equation when you think about uh, strong teams outside of uh, the two that Lockie mentioned. And PRA, I'm sure they're going to bounce back and make a fist of it. The, 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 probably the disappointing one at the moment has been GRM and the Volvos that, that just haven't... Um, been where we expected to be after qualifying so well at Clipsal, but just never following it through, given that there were circumstances weren't all that uh, great on Sunday, um, but they didn't seem to have the pace at, uh, at Albert Park. Yeah, indeed. Look, a break here on Inside Supercars. There's plenty more to discuss when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Auto Actions. Gary O'Brien and Winton and Wakefield Parks, Lachlan Mansell joining me, Craig Ravel. And, uh, guys, so much to talk about. We've talked, uh, well, we've talked about uh, the tyre power, Tasmania Super Sprint, but I think uh, we should move on to some of the other topics in motorsport right now or in V8 supercars right now more particularly, and that is Winton has got tickets on sale, Lockie, and they've been on sale all week and by the, uh, what was it, uh, Easter Thursday, we found out that Woodstock Bourbon is now the naming rights sponsor of the event. So with a brand new track and Woodstock Bourbon for the fans, it should be a pretty good weekend. Yeah, really looking forward to the Winton V8 Super Sprint. Uh, no bias on my part, naturally, but uh, 
yeah, the, the tickets have gone online. We're using the same outtakes ticketing system that we used last year, but it's been tweaked with a couple of improvements. One of the, um, I suppose, iconic features of Winton is the fact that it's the only circuit where you can camp trackside apart from Mount Panorama. And the camping has been improved quite significantly for this year. We've now got allocated campsites, so anybody who books into camp at the circuit will have their own specifically allocated and reserved camp site. And if you go online onto the ticketing system and you click on the camping section, you'll see that there's a map. So it's a bit like booking an aeroplane seat, for example, where you can go on and look at which seats have already been taken and which ones are still available. We've got the same sort of system in place now for campsites and also for the grandstand seats. So jump on the, um, the website, which you can access through our um, brand new Winton website, which we've also just launched, and uh, you'll um, be able to book either camping or a grandstand seat or a combination of both. Mm. I know, Gary, you're a big camper there at Winton, but I'm, you're disappointed that it's not the middle of uh, June, July when it's right in the heart of winter. Uh, we, we go there when the Shannon's Nationals are on in June, so we, we make up for that shortfall. But uh, Winton's a great round, and um, I particularly like 2014 when we went down there because it was almost summery-like for, for April, and we had brilliant days, and it was absolutely fantastic. Not so much last year, but uh, certainly... Uh, you can get good weather, particularly in daytime in rural Victoria. The weather is crisp in the morning, but it's uh, beautiful during the day. Mm, indeed. Now, we we should take a moment to think about what's going on in Sydney, Lockie. I know, well, in fact, both of you guys are from the uh, largest metropolitan city in the country, and... Uh, Lockie, the end and the demise of Homebush is something that you've been looking at for the last couple of weeks. Indeed. So, I mean, in the end, probably not too much surprise when the announcement finally came out that 2016 would be the final year of that Sydney Olympic Park street race because there had been discussions that it was being looked at moving it to a different venue and there's been various reports and, and rumours floating around about a potential street race in, in Gosford. Um, I even heard talk about them putting on a street race in Parramatta. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I'm sure that I'm not alone in hoping that the New South Wales State Government invests in a new permanent facility rather than necessarily another street circuit, because... When you think about community benefit, there's a much stronger business case, I, I believe, and I know that I'm speaking here as the, the media representative for two permanent racetracks, but I think that just common sense will tell you that a permanent motorsport facility, which, let's face it, can become a sustainable, sustainable business in its own right um, and that can have economic benefits all year round for a much wider section of the motorsport community would probably be a better investment than having another straight race. And I think Gary will back me up here because uh, Gary is the encyclopedia of all national motorsport categories <laughs> other than V8 supercars. And, you know, when you've got straight circuits, it's only a very small proportion of the motorsport community that gets used them once a year, whereas permanent race circuits get to be used by everybody in the motorsport community all year round, as well as for other events that have benefits to the wider community such as driver training or um, corporate events for car manufacturers 
Well, that's correct. Uh, I, I do back you up there, Lockie. And the fact that uh, we know there's a business case going forward now for the Shellhaven circuit to get off the ground, um, the uh, the benefits there uh, are more so now because our two permit race facilities in Sydney Motorsport Park and Wakefield Park are almost always booked out. And there's some, such a great demand for even more driver training and car testing and uh, film work and whatever that we really need another race circuit. And of course, Picton, which uh, uh, has got Picton's got two tracks: one a go kart track, and then the other one that Gary Wilmington has put together. Oh, Marulan, you're thinking of, aren't you? Uh, all right, so yeah, Picton's a go kart track. Marulan is Gary Wilmington's track, and uh, same part of the highway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once again, that's another that's another small uh, track that is constantly being used for all sorts of corporate and, uh, you know, uh, events. Well, they had a round of the uh, Australian Hill Climb Championship last year and they've also got the first round of the independent race series, iRace, as it's otherwise known, happening at the Maroolan track this year. So um, it's getting more mainstream uh, motor racing involved there where previously it was probably more of a testing facility and uh, sprints and that, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know how much more you can de- develop that circuit. It's not it's not a great length by any stretch of the imagination. A bit Amaruish in its um, layout and, 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 la- and, and quite narrow. So they would have to look at um, expanding on that and that could unearth a whole heap of... Uh, <laughs> of uh, uh, flags that will probably be raised as far as what they can do and what they can't do. Mm, indeed. Now, interesting, Lockie, you were talking about will it be Gosford, Newcastle or uh, Parramatta? And uh, on Thursday, the Central Coast Gosford Express Advocate, if that's not a long enough title, I don't know what is, um, they're saying that the deal's nearly done. That's the headline, although uh, the quote from uh, Warburton was, nothing is finalised yet, but Gosford is absolutely in a strong position to host a round of the supercars from next year. Now, I would suggest to you, if you picked up the Newcastle paper, there's probably a quote similar to that, but uh, they've certainly uh, got in there, quoted the mayors, quoted uh, a few of the regional city councils and that sort of thing, saying, you know, what a great thing this would be. I just start to think about uh, that episode of The Simpsons. Do you remember Marge versus the monorail? Because I just have that feeling, you know, look at Canberra, look at Homebush, how successful these street races can be. It has got that feel to it sometimes when you're talking about street races and at the same time looking at the investment into a permanent race circuit. Yeah, I don't think it would be bad location for a straight circuit but I think it would be a better location for a permanent race circuit. I know that there's an enormous number of competitors, particularly in New South Wales state level competition and also some of the national series as well, who are based on the central coast. So I think that a permanent facility somewhere in that region, and they have been talking about it uh, near Wyong with Kazar Park, um, would be an extremely successful business, and again, that would serve a much wider section of the community all year round rather than a tiny um, section of the motorsport once a year. 
And not only that, but the government would probably only have to spend a bit of money once in terms of investment to help it get up and running, whereas drag circuits are generally a thing where the government has to invest every year. So my argument is that when you look at what a government is supposed to be doing, which is serving the community, although the cynical side of this probably says that governments are not necessarily all that great at serving communities, but what the government should be doing is looking at how to get the best return on their investment for the maximum number of people, and I believe that would be with a permanent facility rather than a street race. Well, Gary's old boss, Mr Kerry Packer, always said that I don't think you do enough, a good enough job with my money to give you any more of it. So, um, <laughs> and he didn't. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, look, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. It's uh, interesting times. I don't think I've ever seen a grid locked up for the endurance races so soon in the year, Gary. Ash Walsh now confirmed at Brad Jones Racing, teaming up with Tim Slade. It's, uh, it's amazing, isn't it, how important these races are becoming and how important it is to get a good driver as soon as they become available. Lock, locked in as soon as possible. My understanding, there is only one seat left, uh, and that's a GRM in a, one of the Volvos, is, is what I'm hearing. And it's funny because I was actually talking to Alex Davidson on Tuesday, who um, is not holding out great hope that he'll get a run in the Pertec Enduro Cup this year. And uh, he's not stressed about it, but he said the only one that he knew of that was available was a GRM. Mm. Lucky, it's it goes to show just how in, important uh, team owners are taking this since the since the demise of putting your best drivers in and then selling off your second car. It's really made the racing a lot more interesting in my book. Well, it's almost like we now have two silly seasons, isn't it? One for the full time drivers and then one for the Euro drivers, and they seem to be getting signed up earlier and earlier every year, or in some cases, you're even starting to get teams signing co-drivers up to multi-year deals. Um, interesting to see Ash Walsh going with Tim Blanchard there. Um, Ash Walsh is obviously keeping himself race fit in Carrera Cup this season. And Tim Blanchard... Uh, sorry, Tim Slade, I should say, <laughs> um, has probably not uh, started off the season as strongly as he would have liked in that Brad Jones racing Commodore. He had a very tough run at Adelaide. He was in the top 10 at least for most of the weekend at the Grand Prix, but he's still nowhere near as um, high up the order as what Fabian Coulthard was in that car where he was running consistently in the top five. So they've clearly got some work to do there at BJR. Mm. Yeah, in saying that too, um, it is early days and he had some issues, but I noted uh, one of his teammates, Jason Bright, didn't start off the weekend very well, but he started the last race 26th and got the 15th 
before actually finishing 16th. So he's picked up 10 spots, and we all know how hard it is from the back to get through a field, and Mark Winterbottom probably proved that by getting turned around in the first race, and then with progressive grids, only ended up like 11th or something by the end of the weekend. Mm. Now, an interesting thing happened right before Easter. There was a letter sent from the drivers to Formula One management. It was basically from the Grand Prix Drivers Association that said the technical and sporting changes are disruptive to the sport and the drivers have basically said, you know, you've got to start running this better because the racing has become dull to watch. The it, It's evidenced by the declining television audience for Formula One and the increasing amount of broadcasts on pay-per-view so that you can't... Um, so that you can't pick up as many incidental and casual fans. Lockie, do you think the V8 drivers might ever get strong enough to uh, make suggestions like this? It is quite amazing that, uh, you know, the Grand Prix Drivers Association would make such a... Uh, would make such a... Um, uh, a big decision. I think uh, some of the quotes were obsolete and ill-structured being uh, referred to the decision-making process? Um, well, I don't think you would have had the V8 supercar drivers making those sorts of comments in the Tony Cochran era, let's put it that way. <laughs> but, of course, those, those Formula One um, driver comments and that open letter that came out from the Drivers Association, which I believe is Jensen Button, Sebastian Vettel and somebody else who I can't remember, um, obviously came in the aftermath of that debacle that was qualifying for the Australian Grand Prix. You know what? Yeah. I am the only person on the planet that actually liked it. I thought it was... I, like, fair enough, the last session didn't go very well, obviously. But the first two sessions were great, and guess what you saw? You saw guys trying to have a go to get off the bottom. You know what the complaint is? The cars at the front didn't get enough airtime. I tell you what, you want to try and help out the uh, sport, try and get some sponsors on these cars at the back, which is what was happening in that qualifying session. I, I really enjoyed the first two sessions of that. I thought it was interesting. It was good to see these drivers trying to get themselves away from the bottom. Obviously, the last little bit didn't uh, work out, but, gee, they, they emptied that bath so quickly. I'll let you go, Rocky. You, uh, I did interrupt you. Yeah, I think the problem, though, Craig, was that the last part of the session was an absolute anti-climax where Lewis Hamilton could have just about waved the chequered flag on his own pole position because he was out of the car and his session was done with four minutes to go. Um, and I think fans, and even the drivers, want a format where they're, they're pushing really hard for pole right to the end of the session and it comes right down to the wire. Um, and unfortunately, because of the way that the system was structured and also because of the way the tyre regulations work in, in Formula 1, it didn't really present that opportunity. So um, there was an emergency meeting as well on Sunday morning with all of the F1 team principals and they voted um, pretty overwhelmingly to get rid of that system and go back to the old system from the Bahrain Grand Prix onwards. Um, but would that ever happen in V8 supercars? Well... You'd like to think that the um, V8 supercar organisers wouldn't come up with a format or a system that, um, you know, created such disharmony amongst the people within the sport. Mm, Gary, you'd, you'd never 
never ever consider uh, their supercar management as obsolete or ill-structured, would you? <laughs> um, I think if, if if such a thing happened in V8 supercars, it wouldn't come from the drivers. It would probably come from team management, the Roland Danes, the Gary Rogers... Um, those sorts of guys would be the ones to make the call rather than the drivers. I would suggest to you that happened already and there was some extra money shelled out and a few other changes made. Although, if I'm getting on my high horse, which I probably haven't got off yet, can you explain to me why a 120-kilometre race on Saturday gets the same points as a 200-kilometre race on Sunday? That just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, and that's split over two races too, isn't it? Um yeah, um, yeah. Well, no, we don't have two races now except for Clipsal. So Saturday at, at Tassie is the same amount of points as Sunday okay, at Tassie. Okay, so it's only two races. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. that's a bit hard. Um, you have to work and get the same points. Yeah, you'd put all your effort into the Saturday race, wouldn't you? Particularly, <laughs> <laughs> particularly if you're a good qualifier, because there's less chances yeah, exactly. of getting passed. <laughs> it's going to be hard, hard passing down there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, look, I don't. You know, I think we all agree it is going to be the team owners that are going to, well, that have done it in the past and will do it again. Yeah, more than the drivers. Mm. Guys, a final thought or observation up next, and of course our new segment. On the show, who would you rather be? That's next on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. From Auto Action, it's Gary O'Brien and Lachlan Mansell from Winton and Wakefield Park. And Lockie, a final thought or observation? Uh, Final um, observations that uh, I'm really looking forward to Simmons Plains this weekend. I think that the V8 Supercars check on what we've seen at both Adelaide and at the Grand Prix is going to be even more unpredictable than last year was. It seems that there's quite a few strong cars and drivers that are capable of fighting it out at the front end of the field. And, you know, we've got Michael Caruso on top of the championship um, who would have predicted that that would be the case after Clipsal? So uh, bring on Tassie and hopefully um, more unpredictability. Mm. Gary O'Brien. Um, soft tyre, obviously. Um, I think that's just going to light the field up as far as racing goes. Um, we've seen it at Melbourne with uh, with the four sprint races they had there. And I'm thinking tyre degradation will help make um, Simmons Plains a great spectacle. All right. Now, who would you rather be, Lachlan Mansell, Tim Blanchard, or Andre Heimgardner? Um, <laughs> well, Tim Blanchard's higher in the championship, isn't he? I'd probably rather be him at the moment. Um, yeah, that, that's not an easy question to answer, that one. All right. Gary O'Brien, who would you rather be, Parramatta or Gosford? Uh, 
Why? Parramatta's got a better rugby league team. <laughs> they have, yeah. But uh, Gosford's probably a better layout. It's more picturesque. Uh, depending where they have it in Parramatta, obviously I haven't seen anything of where it is, but Gosford's probably um, helps a lit, uh, uh, quite a bit with uh, the demographic as far as traffic. Uh, certainly could be in a mess in Parramatta. <laughs> it's hard enough to find a restaurant on a Saturday night, let alone uh, have a race meeting there. Uh, yeah, so I'll go with Gosford. Mm-hmm. Gary O'Brien, thanks very much for your time and Thank hope you. you enjoy the kickoff of the new look Shannon's National Series down there at Sandown this weekend. Uh, eight categories this weekend and uh, looking enormous. And Lachlan, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Tickets on sale now for Winton. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me, Craig. I should say the Woodstock Winton round. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.